can uh, start our, our lesson today. And today we're ending, changing gears here, we're ending our, our, our uh, series that we've had on God Provides. It's been a six-part series. And have you guys enjoyed the mini-movies? Uh, have they helped you to see the Bible come to life? Uh, today's our last one. Really thankful for uh, Crown Financial Ministries. They put these together. I'm going to send them a letter, keep them coming, because this really helps us. We're visual people today in the 21st century, and it helps us so much to see the Bible come to life. But today we're going to be looking at uh, the rich man and Lazarus. It's a parable that Jesus shared from Luke chapter 16. And the focal point, if you're going to walk away with something today, is my heart decisions affect my eternity. My heart decisions affect my eternity. And that means what we do here today and through our lives determines where we will spend eternity and how we will spend eternity. And Jesus came here to answer this big question, what happens when we die? Everyone will die. What happens after the fact? And it's a heated debate in our society and and in many places all over the world. What happens? Is there heaven? Is there hell? what's, what's, What's the real answer? And does how we live our lives here have an effect on our eternity? And many people speculate. Jesus came to tell us the truth on the matter. He came to open our eyes. He came to... Help us understand because he's the only one that came over from heaven and went back to heaven. No one else can give that vantage point. A lot of guys today on religious television will say, well, I went to heaven and came back. No, you can't do that. You don't do that. Only the angels and Jesus are able to go into heaven and come back. No matter what people, they may have had some kind of vision of some kind, but they don't actually know. And some of that is speculation. But Jesus came to give us the truth. He came to love us. He came to save us. He came to direct us. And help us understand life. And how we live it, the effect that it has on our eternity. Jesus came to warn us. He came to warn us about a very dark place, hell. He said more about hell than heaven. I don't know if you know that about Jesus. In fact, Jesus, He said more about hell than anyone else in Scripture, the whole Bible. He said more about hell than anyone in Scripture combined. Why do you think Jesus said so much about hell? And I shared this a few weeks ago, or maybe a couple of months ago. You know, with my children... We don't talk about my inheritance or their inheritance as little as it might be or as big as it might be. Who knows? We don't talk about that very much. You know what we spend a lot of time talking about in our family? The decisions that you make now and the effects that it's going to have on you later. And you know why I talk about that so much? Because I care about them and their future. I believe Jesus shared so much about hell Because He wanted to warn us. 
He loves us that much. He wants us to be aware the things that you do here on earth have an eternal consequence. I'm trying to let you know now so that you won't be surprised or it won't catch you by surprise and it won't shock you. You're going to know beforehand. He came to do that for us. And not only that, He came to provide us second, third, fourth, innumerable second chances. When you've messed up and you deserve an eternal consequence for the bad things that you've done. He provided an opportunity to start over, a do-over. And He spoke many, many, many parables to warn us about our choices that we make here. They have a consequence. You know, and the interesting thing is that when it comes to disasters and death, isn't it amazing how people always get spiritual and they open the Bible? In Joplin, Missouri, last Sunday, they had a memorial service for the more than 140 people who died in the tornado one week earlier. The governor of the state of Missouri read from the Bible in the memorial service. The president was there in the front row. And everybody turned to God because of the disaster. Isn't it amazing that the Bible comes out when people face death and when they face disaster? But what about the rest of the time? You know, why is it that people in, in, in high places don't quote and use Scripture in the rest of our lives? And that's why there's so much speculation. Well, I don't know. And this is, it's because people really don't know. And if we would spend more time looking at Scripture, learning about Scripture, we would know. We wouldn't have to speculate. We wouldn't have to be doubting. We would have a clear conviction about truth. You see, we don't follow cleverly invented stories. The message of Jesus is as historic in, in its truth as any other historical truth that we have about our country, about this world's history. You see, Jesus came and walked on earth, and historians gave their perspective, gave their eyewitness testimony about Him. He preached about He would rise from the dead, and then He died, and then more than what the Bible says is hundreds of people saw Him walking, talking on earth after His resurrection. They were eyewitnesses to Him. That's history. That's not a story. We're talking about places and times and situations that all back up itself as truth. Jesus is the only one that can give us perspective on eternity. And that's why we need to turn to Him today. We're going to talk about the uncomfortable subject of hell today. We're going to see it. It's very graphic. It's not pleasant. Jesus spoke about it, not to make us feel uncomfortable, but to warn us so that we will take action and do something about it. And we don't have to walk around in fear wondering, what if? I don't know what's going to happen. We don't have to fear death. You can know beforehand and act on it beforehand and be secure and sure that you're right with God. People that you know and love can have the opportunity through you and through the Scriptures to...
to receive help. Not well wishes, clear truth and clear change on how to live your life. So let's begin. And uh, what we're going to be looking at is Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. This is basically the mini movie that we're going to watch top to bottom. And Jesus was speaking to his disciples And he was also speaking in the context of where he was when he shared this parable to religious people. Most of the people that walk the earth have some type of religion, but it's not based on truth. And as Jesus was speaking to his disciples, some religious people, they were called the Pharisees, they came to him, and they, in verse 14 of the same chapter, it says, the Pharisees who loved money... See, they were the religious leaders and they were very wealthy and Jesus was exposing their corruption that you love money more than you love God. And he exposed it. And he, they were sneering at Jesus because of his parables, the things that he was saying. In the context of the culture here, just so you understand the way that they were thinking when you see this, this mini-movie, the way that people were thinking was what they called the original gospel of prosperity. What I mean by that and what they meant by that was if you're rich, if you're wealthy, if you're healthy, God is with you. And you'll find this, this gospel of prosperity in very old-school, traditional belief systems. Found it very commonplace in Latin America. But if you're poor, if you're sick, if you've got a bad lot in life, a bad situation in life, guess what? God has cursed you. If you get sick and you get cancer, there's a curse upon you. And Jesus exposes this gospel as a falsehood. And that's not the truth at all. And so the Pharisees were looking at themselves as blessed by God. That's why they were so wealthy. Because we're with God. But other people who were poor and destitute, they were not with God. And the gospel of prosperity, its original form, taught that you could do nothing about it. Very similar teaching right now in India, in the Hindu religion, that you can't change classes. You can't better yourself. If you're born here, you're there forever. All of your life and for all of eternity. But if you're here, you're set. That's what they thought. Jesus came to expose that as a complete lie. And that's what we're going to see today. So let's watch the movie, The Rich Man and Lazarus, God Provides. Thank <laughs> you. 
dare you touch me? Do you want me to be unclean as well? I shouldn't even allow you to beg at my gate. Forgive me, sir. Forgive me. I have not eaten in days. I wondered if, if I might have some of the scraps that fall from your table. Scraps will fall from my table. <laughs> but then with the dogs eat. I have business to attend to. Here, burn this. It's infected.
come to the place your Father has prepared for you. We can divide his estate now. We'll all be rich. That is what he would have wanted. Where do you think he is now? He was rich in this life. I'm sure he'll be rich in the next. strong, isn't it? You know, and uh, I, I want you to understand my motivation and our motivation, if you're visiting here with us, this isn't a scare-tastic tactic, this is a warning. These are the very same words that Jesus spoke. Read it for yourself. When He shared these parables, He shared it out of love and a warning so that we don't have to wonder what will happen, nor will we be caught by surprise. And you see it interwoven, this gospel of prosperity. And in the context of where Jesus was is, these people believe that you are blessed because of your circumstance by God. And here He was speaking, it, it, it's... It's frightening that Jesus was using this parable to describe His actual situation that He was dealing with right then and there. And I believe it describes perfectly our society that we live in today. What was the rich man's problem? Was it his wealth? Was it the fact that he had a lot and he was given so many resources what Jesus is talking about, and you'll see it throughout the Scriptures, that wealth doesn't condemn people, it's their use of it. It's a warning also that if you have been blessed, don't ignore the needy people and the suffering of others around you. Have compassion. Be willing to share if God has given you great things. And I believe God has blessed this country that we live in immensely. And, you know, this is where it comes down to for us. All of us are going to die. And what will become, what will be the outcome of our life and the choices we have made up to this point? The great news is that you can change whatever you've done prior to now and be different. And for our brothers and sisters... Jesus was speaking to religious people, and we have to take heed of the warning also. We live in a society that is self-absorbed. Just like the rich man. He was consumed with himself. He worried about he wore. The, the, the fine linen that he wore was some of the finest clothing. He wore it every day, as the Bible describes it. It was very expensive. 
It was more important to me how he appeared, more important to him how he appeared than who he was on the inside. And he was so busy with his business and with his stuff that he lost touch with a beggar right outside of his gate. He walked out and in every day, and there was Lazarus. He ignored him, took no pity on him. In fact, the Bible quotes that Lazarus longed to have just the scraps, just anything that fell from the table. And with the scraps serve as a reminder that that's what the dogs ate. In fact, the rich man had more compassion on his dogs than he did on Lazarus. You know, that pretty much describes our society today with domestic animals. There's a lot more compassion and love for our domestic animals sometimes than we do have for people who are suffering and going through a difficult time. Let our eyes and our hearts be open today. Open to change. So we can make this world a better place. You know, and as I described last week, uh, came across this, this uh, massage salon and beauty salon that had the name on top, it said, it's all about me. That was the name of the salon. Pretty descriptive. You know, that would be a great name for a beauty salon in our society today. Because it describes how people are. They look at the sign, they go, yeah, that's right. I need to go there because it is all about me. You know, and that self-absorbed society can affect you. It can infect you to the point where you think along with everybody else. And when I was going through this study, it, it disturbed me also. I had to go through and do an inventory. Okay, so what am I doing for other people around me? Who is, who is lying at my gate that I can help? That I may be ignoring. I began praying, God, help me see the needy people around me. So I can help them. I don't want to end up like the Pharisees or like the rich man in this, this story. And, and what Jesus was telling is things aren't as they appear. The contrast was shocking to the Pharisees. To Jesus' audience, it was shocking how the, the tables were completely reversed. Even, even the rich man's brother said, he was blessed on this life. Which people understood that. If you're blessed in this life, that means you're going to be, you're right with God now because He's obviously blessing your life. So you'll be blessed later. Couldn't be farther from the truth. And that's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. And His Word still speaks today. We have to be careful here in the United States of America thinking that we're blessed. We've got a stable income. We've got health care. We've got food at every corner. Wow, we are so blessed. God must love us. God must be with us. No, it comes down to an individual understanding. And it goes a little deeper about if you know God and if you know the Word of God. And you see that come out in this, in this Scripture. Lazarus is in heaven with Abraham, and it shows an intimacy that he, it describes it in the Bible, that he was, he was by Abraham's bosom. 
In other words, he was being embraced by Abraham. There was a relationship. There was a closeness. And I don't want you to see the story today as all bad news, all fear. It's actually very good news. That God has made a provision for us. That no matter what you've done, where you're at, Jesus came to give you a second shot. And in some cases, a third shot. Another chance. Another chance. To turn around your story. You know, but we live in a cynical society where people look at this and they go, ah, I don't know. Really? Is that what you're going to do with the Word of God? What will reach you? And I want to encourage you, don't wait until it's too late. Rich and poor people have always lived near each other. And it provides a perfect opportunity to reveal hearts. If there will be compassion, if people will reach out to each other and help each other and make a difference in each other's lives. And we may not live in a poor country, but we live in a poor society spiritually. And speaking to the church, we need to look at our level of compassion that we have for starving people spiritually whose marriages and lives as individuals are coming undone because they don't know. They don't have spiritual food. And they're coming undone. And we need to have compassion on them and see the resources that we have. We do have resources. And it reveals our heart and our faith. What do we do with what God has blessed us with? If we use it just for ourselves and we're self-absorbed, the next purchase, this, that, and the other, and we're not sharing with other people, it says a lot about our heart. And you could say if you have a family, well, I'm so focused on my family and my kids, I don't have time for anybody else. You know, your kids, and we can sometimes put ourselves in a martyr position that, you know, we take care of our kids and everything's about our kids. Your kids are an extension of yourself. You're really, if you're taking really good care of your kids, that's important, but it's still you. Who beyond your family are you going to help? And Jesus talked about this a lot in Scripture. And in this parable, He reveals eternity. Look in verse 23 and 24. In hell where He was in torment, He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by His side, so He called them... He called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I am in agony in this place, in this fire. Jesus is sharing this describing what hell will be like. Meaning a drop of water. Just a drop. Not a fire hose, not a bucket, not a glass. Just a drop of of water will cause just a bit of relief. It was that bad. But something about the rich man here is he's ordering Lazarus to come and serve him again. He still didn't get it. Even in hell, he didn't get it. He still saw Lazarus as somebody that would serve him, that was lower than him. 
He's now asking the guy who asked him for help every day. He saw him. Now he wanted him to help him. Jesus perfectly crafted this parable for his audience. Because this is what the Pharisees and the religious people were about to experience. It's haunting. The reversal. The contrast. A man with no hope now has all the hope. A man with all the hope now has no hope. To open eyes. You read on in verse 25, it says, But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things when, while Lazarus received bad things. Now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. You know, this is uh, something that I was reading about this week. Is, it clearly is a parable because there will be no conversations between heaven and hell. That's an illustration that Jesus is making. But he's making this illustration so that people understand. You made your choices, rich man, in your life, and here's the consequences. Lazarus, on the other hand, and this is the awesome thing about Lazarus. And you see it in the movie as he's reaching up and out. Even in spite of his terrible suffering, where was his faith? He put his faith in God. He wasn't embittered. He cried out to God. He looked to God. He trusted God, even in a miserable situation. You know, and there are many, maybe here today, that are going through a really, really rough time. I want to encourage you to put your faith in God. And don't believe this gospel of prosperity that the world teaches that you are under a curse. No, God sees you. He cares about you. And He will take care of you if you put your faith in Him. If you trust Him. And that's what we see with Lazarus. He didn't put his trust in his physical situation. He put his trust in God. He didn't get embittered by his, his suffering. In the, in, and as it describes it, he literally had oozing, as the Greek describes it, he had oozing sores. Open wounds. And that's why the dogs would come and lick him. It was a terrible situation for him. But he kept and put his faith in God. And there is no crossing over from heaven to hell, as some have been taught that there's purgatory. No such place in Scripture. Your aunt, your uncle, your family members can't pray you out of your condition. It's your choice. It's your decision. What you do with your life now that determines your eternity. And that's why we have to be wise. That's why we have to walk with both eyes open, considering how we live and what we're going to invest our time in life. God gives us resources. And selfishness can be our greatest enemy. In spite of all my other sins before in my life and still probably one of my greatest challenges and enemies that I have to be very careful of is selfishness. It's our greatest enemy. 
to be more focused on me. It affects our friendships. We can't have great relationships with other people. It's probably one of the number one enemies in, in marriages and families. People can't get beyond themselves, so they fight, they quarrel, and, and they can't get along because it's all about me. And Jesus warns us, don't let selfishness reign in your life. Be selfless. Think of others. Put others first and you will be happier. They've done studies on this. Some of the happiest people on our planet are those that are involved in helping other people. They spend a lot of time doing it. But some of the most miserable people on this planet are those that it's all about me. And they have a lot. But it's not enough. They need more and more and more. What kind of resources do you have? Well, you can say, well, I'm not rich. Yeah, you are. You have time. You have possessions. And you have strength and the ability. You have a heart that can be used to help others. You can connect with people. You have something to offer others. And if you're doing that and if your life is all about helping others, then I commend you for doing that. But that's not typical of our society. And I want to encourage you, if that's your, if that's your conviction and that's what you do, I want to encourage you to help other people around you get, con, get, get infected with your mentality. Because it's not common in our society. To serve and share and help other people who are in need, both physical and spiritual, is one of our callings. And that's what Jesus is, is, is bringing out here. Why... The rich man didn't go because he was wealthy. It's because he was selfish and self-absorbed. And he was not willing to share with others. Now we get the rich man in verse 27 and 28. He has more requests. It doesn't stop. I don't want just water. Okay, if you can't give me water, I've got more requests. And his next request in verse 27 is, I've got five brothers. Please Send them, because if I would have known what I know now, if I would have known that before, I wouldn't be in this place. See, again, we get warnings. What will we do with them? Beforehand, he was full of conviction. Again, he orders Lazarus, orders Abraham, can you send Lazarus, my servant, to go talk to my family? Go help them. And Abraham replied in verse 29, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. What's he talking about? What's he, what's he describing? They have somebody. They have something. It's right here. They've got their warning. You know that the Scriptures are more readily accessible today than any other time in our history? You can get it on your phone for free, on your computer for free. You can go to Walmart and pay $7 for a small Bible paperback. It's everywhere. People put it out there for free. They'll give you a Bible in some places. I know in the college campuses there's organizations. They'll, they'll hand you the book of John, right? Free. It's all over the place. And Abraham is saying here, yeah, they've got the Bible. 
Let them listen to that. Let them listen to them. And that's the importance of knowing and understanding Scripture so that you don't have to be you know, swayed back and forth when these guys come out and they say, well, you know, the world is going to end. It, it wasn't last month, but it's going to be in October. And you're like, oh, is it true? No, it's not true because the Bible says nobody knows and nobody will know. Only God knows. And when He decides, that when it will happen. All these stories, all these ideas. Well, there's no, and people will come out, there's no, there's no hell. It's all heaven for everybody. Jesus died for everybody, good and bad alike. Man, I like that. I really do. I wish it were true. But it's not in Scripture. It's not in the Bible. And in fact, we're going to look at a scripture pretty soon here in the, in the end of the lesson that talks about there's nobody good. Well, I'm a good person and I try to do good. There's nobody. Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die for us if there had been one, one person that was good enough. The condition was so desperate that Jesus had to come and suffer that way because there was nobody that could make it. So he said, turn to the Bible. And and that's who the Pharisees had also. But it was all about them. And if you want to avoid hell, then look to the Word of God. And you'll find answers. You'll find the truth. You don't have to live in fear. And that's the greatest provision that we can have. Salvation starts with hearing and believing the Word of God. That's where everything starts. It's not from a cool story. It's from you hearing this and believing it and then acting upon it. And then we read in verse 30 and 31, he tells Abraham no. Now, not a good thing where in your condition you're in to tell Abraham no. No, Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. You know, the Bible isn't enough for someone. If the Bible is not enough for someone, then someone rising from the dead won't be either. You know how how haunting this is right now? What Jesus is saying, what He's sharing? Just a short time before this, John chapter 8 describes... A young man by the name of Lazarus. Jesus raised him from the dead as a testimony to who he was and the power that he had and the authority that he had from God. The Pharisees were listening to this parable and it's haunting because he's telling them even if someone were to rise from the dead, it won't be enough. What's going to be enough for you? You know, and I know it because it happened to me many times in my life. You know, you get in those desperate situations in your life and you cry out to God and you go, God, if you just get me out of this jam, if you just help me this one more time, I'll change. I'll be different. I promise. I will. I prayed those prayers so many times. And the sad part, I didn't follow through for many years. 
And, and God was faithful through all those situations. He always got me out of the jam. He always came through. I would pray the prayer, and then oh, He got me out of the jam. A lot of bad stuff I was on the verge of experiencing in my life. And God came through. I didn't. He did. You know, we got to think about so many of the great answers. You know, this week we're finishing Crown Financial, and some of you are going, yeah, whew, I'm so glad. <laughs> for, for the rest of you, it's been a study series that we've been doing for ten weeks. This is the last week. Oh, yes. But after ten weeks, would you not say the wealth of information that you now have is overwhelming? You now know. You now have answers. You don't have to make financial mistakes now because of what the Scriptures teach about money. We are well provided for. But in the same way, financially, you can be prepared. And that's what today is all about. That's what all of our lessons are about is preparing us in our life so that we can move on to the next life. That's what today is all about. If there's one thing I hope you can take away from today is be prepared for the next life. Respond to what Scripture is saying so that you can be ready. Faith in action, this is where we're going to kind of bring it into a close one. I want to encourage you to be a person of compassion. Do not be like everyone else in our society that gets so wrapped up, so busy, they don't have time for somebody else. Don't let that happen in your life. Pray about, ask God, show me who's at my gate, who I can help. Help me to manage my time. You know, we've got a study series to help people go from the darkness to the light. I want to encourage you to believe you can do those studies. It doesn't have to be somebody else. You can do them. And we're going to be, in the following months, we're going to be working on making them even simpler so they're easier to, to lead and, and help people with. And then the next thing, faith in action, is, is pray for God to make you aware of people at your gate. They're right there. And so, so many times we're just coming and going so fast. Southern California is so fast, we miss it. Pray for God to put it right there in front of you, that person, that need that you can meet. You know, and... We get the blessing next week to help our brothers and sisters in Latin America. It's right there. Our money and our investment is making such a difference in the lives of thousands of people in a place we may never ever get a chance to visit, but we can send money there to help them. And then have a conviction about lost people around your life. You know, it's amazing the rich man, how, how great his conviction was from the vantage point of hell. He knew, his, he knew his five brothers were not saved. He knew that. He knew that they were going to end up exactly where he was. There are things that you know. You can read the Scripture. You can know. There are people that need your help, and you can help them. Carry that conviction through. Talk to them. Invite them to some of our programs that we have, your, your faith group, so that they can come and know. And build a relationship with them so they can see your life. And let the Word of God guide you to faith and following Christ. If you're here visiting with us, I want to encourage you to get to know the Bible. 
instead of speculate. Instead of guess. Or hear what someone's saying on the television and go, oh, that's the latest thing. Or this is the latest thing. You can have your own personal relationship with Jesus, with God, and know for yourself what is right. Just like Lazarus did. He had a relationship with God. And that's why he was brought in. And let's take the communion now. God provides. This is the great news. You know, and I know today was very heavy, but we need it. But here's the awesome news. Here is the the good news. In Romans chapter 3, verse 22, it says, The righteous, this righteousness from God came, comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned. Anybody that doesn't need Jesus in this world, this scripture answers that question. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs that level of forgiveness. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely. Freely. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't do enough acts of of poor serving and community service. That's not going to turn. It's not like a balance. We do the community service and we help other people because of what we've already received. It's free. God gives it. What will you do with it? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't just come here to warn us. He came here to save us. He knew we needed someone to take our place. What the rich man suffered... Jesus took our place so that we can avoid that. That's the blessing that we have. And another encouragement is to keep the faith. Lazarus never lost his faith in God. And if you're going through a really horrific situation in your life today, I want to encourage you, God sees your life. Put your faith in Him. I've seen so many people go through horrific situations extremely well because they put their faith in God and not lose their faith over their circumstance. And you are not insignificant. That's another shortfall of our society. Seven, close to seven billion people on this planet. Who are you? Let me tell you who the Bible says you are. You are special. You are God's child. And He died for you just as much as He died for anybody else. You are significant. The world treated Lazarus like he was trash. And he probably had no funeral. They picked up his body after he died and they took him to the city dump. That's what the history tells us in the context of Palestine at that time. And he was burned. No funeral, no memorial service, no special flowers. Because that was his lot in life. But what what does the Bible tell us? That he was taken up by the angels and he had a special service by God. You're significant. And then in closing, 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 through 5. This is good and pleases God God our Savior who wants all men to be saved. God wants no one to end up in hell. No one. 
But you know what? The truth of the matter is it's a personal decision that we have to make. We're not robots. He allowed that rich man to make choices. He's allowing you to make choices. He allows the Pharisees and everybody that walks this planet. We are not machines. We are free will agents. He's not forcing you to come to church. You choose. You decide. But no, what you do in this life affects the next. He wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Not the lies, the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men and the man, Christ Jesus. There's no other name on this planet, in this universe, by which you can be saved. That's what he's saying. Jesus is it. That's the Bible's truth. And it's your choice to accept it. As we take the communion now, I want to encourage you, remember what Jesus went through. As we take the bread, it represents Jesus' body. As we drink the grape juice, it represents His blood that was shed for you. That's why we do this. We do this to remember Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we...